Well, I was keenly aware as I wrote this sermon, and I am keenly aware as I give this sermon, that we are merely days, hours away from arguably the most consequential election uh, that we have held in this country since the Civil War years. Uh, personally, I know that for many weeks now, if not months, I've found it difficult at times to focus on much else than the election's potential outcome. And I've found it difficult to shake an almost constant underlying anxiety I also know from talking with many of you that I'm not the only one that has had these feelings of distraction and anxiety. Thankfully, uh, this morning once again, we can find encouragement from God through our scriptures. Last week, Paul spoke to our troubled hearts and reminded us that we find peace in God's presence and we find God's presence in prayer with thanksgiving. This week, uh, Paul encourages us to find God's presence in an additional way, uh, to, to find, again, more reasons even for thanksgiving. Um, as we focus on this week's uh, scripture from Paul, we hear him remind us to behold God's glory all around us, to let ourselves be moved in response to that glory. And in so, so doing, we will be aware of the God of peace with us. And I say that Paul encourages us to behold God's glory because Paul wants us to do more than just sort of casually notice or take a look. Uh, the way that the NIV translates it, New International Version. Paul writes, uh, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. The, the fuller meaning of the Greek verb behind that translation demands much more emphasis. It means to reckon, to take into account, to ponder, to let one's mind dwell on something. It's the type of beholding that Jesus encourages us in that gospel passage. Uh, verses 22 and 23, your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squint-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will live. Verses 26 and beyond. Uh, look at the birds of the air. Uh, or actually, excuse me, yeah, look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you, and you count far more than birds. Has anyone ever fussing in front of a mirror added even an inch to their height? All this time wasted on these other things. 
walk out, instead of looking at all the different images of fashion, walk outside and look at the wildflowers. Look at the planted flowers. Look at all of the beauty. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite look at? This is the beholding that, that Jesus is calling us to, that David called us to, that Paul calls us to. Give your entire attention, Jesus finishes. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. Paul encourages us to behold God's glory in this deeply contemplative manner, wherever, whenever, and however we find it. Again, uh, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. That is an unusual repetition for Paul. He usually just would say whatever is true, noble, etc. But he's like, whatever it is, wherever you find it, then if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, behold these things. Ponder these things. And this list of concepts that Paul writes is made up of words that the Philippians, uh, since they were in the Greece, the, the area of Greece, the Philippians knew these concepts of truth and nobility and purity from Greek philosophy and ethics. It wasn't even from a religious context that Paul was pulling these words in this list. Paul is essentially saying that God's goodness and truth and beauty permeate everything, everywhere, and therefore can be found anywhere. The writer of our Hebrew First Testament pointed out that same truth centuries earlier when he said, look at the skies, behold the heavens, both day or night. Day after day, night after night, they they pour forth speech about the glory of God everywhere. There's There's no place in the world where it can't be understood if we behold it. And Paul encourages us to stop whenever and wherever we behold God. Stop and let it sink in. Let it marinate our souls. One of my favorite poems from one of my favorite poets, R.S. Thomas, uh, puts it like this. And and he was a pretty crusty old Welsh guy, uh, pastor as well. And so for him to to say something um, this about this type of beauty is saying a lot. It's the poem, The Bright Field. I have seen the sun break through to illuminate a small field for a while and gone my way and forgotten it. But that was the pearl of great price, the one field that had the treasure in it. I realize now that I must give all that I have to possess it. Life is not hurrying, hurrying on to a receding future or hankering after an imagined past. It is the turning aside like Moses to the miracle of the lit bush, to a brightness 
that seemed as transitory as your youth once, but is the eternity that awaits you. Behold God's glory whenever, however, it catches us. And then let it move us to action in response. Paul writes, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. Put it into practice. It reminded me of that, that line from uh, Wendell Berry's poem that I read last week, uh, practice resurrection. Put it into practice. How many times have we read a story or seen a movie or heard a song that stirred our souls to think about telling someone how we feel or make a phone call or write a letter or march in the streets to, to do something profound and beautiful and honest. That is God at work in our souls to put into practice what we know to be good or true or beautiful or right. That is God at work in our souls, encouraging us to respond to God's glory when we've encountered it. I think most of our best actions are prompted as responses to us experiencing the presence of God first. John Calvin, or the, essentially the, uh, the founder of the Presbyterian Church in the 16th century, wrote that meditation comes first, afterwards follows action. Meditation first, afterwards action. Or as I've tried to phrase it today, behold God's glory and be moved in response. The outcome of all of this will be, as Paul puts it, that the God of peace will be with you. And it's not that God isn't with us otherwise or unless we do these things. I think Paul just knows from personal experience that the more we look for God in our lives and in our world, the more we behold those moments of awareness, let them dwell and dwell in them, the greater and then the more we follow in action the inclinations of the Holy Spirit prompted by that encounter, the greater will be our experience of the presence of God and God's peace. Last week's scripture and this week's scripture augment and amplify each other. We find peace in the presence of the God of peace. We find the presence of God in prayer with thanksgiving, in beholding God's glory, and being moved by the Holy Spirit in response. Whatever happens Tuesday this week, whatever the outcome of the election, and however the nation responds to that outcome, all of these words from Paul will still be true. We will still find peace in the presence of the God of peace. And we will still find God's presence in prayer with thanksgiving, in beholding God's glory whenever and however we encounter it, and in being moved by the Holy Spirit to respond. 
these words from Gerard Manley Hopkins, who was also a, a pastor and a poet, will still be true. This is about God's grandeur. That is the title of this poem. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. It will flame out like shining from shook foil. It gathers to a greatness like the ooze of oil crushed. Why do men then now not wreck his rod? Generations have trod, have trod, have trod, and all is seared with trade, bleared, smeared with toil, and wears man's smudge and shares man's smell. The soil is bare now, nor can foot feel being shod. And for all this, Nature is never spent. There lives, in, there lives the dearest freshness, deep down things. And though the last lights off the black west went, oh, morning at the brown brink eastwards springs. Because the Holy Ghost over the bent world broods with warm breast and with awe bright wings. So, Tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every day thereafter, pray with thanksgiving. Behold God's glory and be moved by the Holy Spirit. Let yourself be moved. Let ourselves be moved to respond. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds. Thanks be to the God of peace.